Happy birthday. Um, yeah, happy birthday, John. That's awesome. And um, today we are going, like, you have to give us some grace as a staff because over the last three months, to be honest, if I messed up a sermon, I would just be like, start over, and we'd re record a new one. Um, if something, we had a technical glitch, we'd just start over, right? Well, we can't do that. We're live now. And so uh, here we go. Well, I, if, if in the middle of it, I'm like, start over, redo, just, it's just because I'm used to it for three months straight. Uh, reset, yeah. Um, can you put it on my first slide for me in the back? Um, so we started this series called Reset Church three weeks ago, um, and we are going to dive in to part three. Part three is called Life Together and Love Outward. So let me give you a short review. And um, when Nicodemus was sent, Nicodemus went to Jesus by night, representing the ruling council of Israel. Most likely he went to build a partnership between the Pharisees and Jesus, okay? So he goes there representing the ruling council, and Jesus gave Israel's religious elite some tough love. He said, you must be born again. Israel at the time doesn't need more tweaks. She needs to press the reset button. And we talked about the, how the corrupt religious institution of Jesus' day needed to say, let's start over, push the reset. So there's this pattern. The church needs to go through a major rehaul about every 500 years or so. And our last was the Protestant Reformation. Uh, today, again, the church, from my vantage point, is in need of a reset. And this series is an attempt to describe what that might look like. You could even say it's a, uh, a prophetic series saying, what is God calling the Holy Spirit to do in this next season? Where have we gone wrong? So today, I want to look at the um, church and reset mode must function on two distinct in expressions at the exact same time. And they're right behind me here. It's life together. We need to function at this, at the same time as loving outward. And so we want to do life together, with, have a stable, nurturing, healthy community, and then love outward, an innovative, adaptive, experimental type church where we're reaching the unchurched. And so it's two sides of one coin. We have to do both at the same time. And for some reason... My iPad's not working, Ed. Good, Ed. Yeah. Um, these different expressions are found in different locations in the book of Acts. So in the book of Acts, the church in Jerusalem served those already familiar with the Bible. They were already familiar with, um, with the traditions of Israel. And then you have the church in Antioch that became a missional outpost bringing the gospel to unchurched people which I want you to know, bringing the gospel to unchurched is a very difficult task. It's so difficult. So today, the church and reset needs to function on both of these things at the exact same time. And I want you to know, if you're like me, there's tension between life together and love outwards. And I want to talk about that a little bit today. Um, I've actually heard, John, why can't we just be a good local healthy church? Why do, we have, why do we feel it's our job to reach unchurched people? Why do we have to do that? And if I could answer, 
It's because I believe the Holy Spirit demands it of the church in this season because God so loved the world. And so I think we need to think and pray and say, God, what are you saying? What are you doing? I believe the Holy Spirit is calling us, demands it because God so loved the world. So let's look at life together first. Um, and our, our verse there is John 13, starting in verse 34. I'm gonna, here's what Jesus says. I'm giving you a new command. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. For your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. So Jesus is telling his church, the future church, that your love for one another, your love as we're gathering together today, and I know that I saw you guys like, yay, like you're excited to be together again. That love will show the world that we actually belong to Jesus. That love of caring for one another and being with one another and supporting one another, that's what Jesus is talking about here. New commandment, love each other. Now the church, if I'm honest, has suffered from some bad press lately, and it's easy to underestimate the powerful force of the great, local, healthy church just by being a healthy church. Um, so this is a fun story. Try to follow me with this. So, so there was a lady named Carol, and Carol was a Christian, and, but she was very networked in her area. She didn't live too far from here. She's very networked with lots of different churches, and she worked at this bookstore. So she's working at this bookstore, and one day, one of, she knows a pastor and some other people from that church go into her bookstore, and they're all meeting at like a seated area in the middle of this bookstore, and they have a little Bible study. Afterwards, Pastor John, not me, Pastor John, but another Pastor John, he got up, he found a book that he wanted to buy, and he got in line, for, in Carol's line. And so he, he got up to the front of the line, he lays the book down, Carol scans it, they start talking back and forth. Now Carol's one of these like super giddy people. You guys know who I'm talking about? Like somebody that's just easily sparked, okay? They just like, they're all in and they're kind of loud and um, just full on loud, okay? And so Carol is serving John and finally she says this moment and she just kind of squeals it. She goes, oh, Pastor John. No, wait, before I say that, before I say that, hold on. I missed part of the story. Um, Carol always referred to the church as the body. Have you guys heard of that, like the body of Christ? So she would, like she would, actually she saw John and she's like, oh, there's the, the body over there, okay, the body. And so she always referred to the church as the body. Well, John's there right in front of her and she squeals this kind of at the top of her lungs. She's like, oh, Pastor John, I just love your body. This is true. Uh, all the customers in line start to laugh. John bowed his head, uh, looked down. Carol turned very, very red. Okay. You guys, we need our city, and we need our, your coworkers and your friends and your little neighbors to say, I love your body. We want na our larger community to say, we, we love that body that meets that gathers together, Foothill and San Dimas Avenue, where they gather together and they worship and they love God. Man, we want the unchurched and de-churched to be saying that about us. 
We need our city to say, I love your body. So I worked in community mental health in college, and the main thing that degrades mental health is isolation. Have you guys noticed that? So we're just getting off of three months of quarantine. People have been cut off from family and friends and supportive community. Uh, in research, it's called social capital. Harvard researcher Putnam says that if you go to a church just on Sunday morning, okay, you don't even have to go to the midweek times. If you go to a church on Sunday morning, you have what he calls 40% more social capital, according to the research. And what that turns out to be is um, when somebody run, it translates into less depression, better sleep, fewer headaches, and less chronic problems. Um, I'm going to tell all the, all the kids that are with us today, um, I'm 45. I never thought I'd be 45. I'm 45. Um, this week, I'm gonna I think I'm going to shave my beard because I can't take it anymore. It's, it's so gray. Um, but the average typical man that's my age, middle-aged person-ish, so 35 to what middle age, let's say 60, um, that type of person they no typically have one person that they can rely on. One person. In a crisis, uh, when they run into marriage problems or job problems or alcohol problems, they normally have one person. But if you are part of a church family and you just come, even just on Sundays, which we need to go, I think, further than that, but um, that's life-saving. That's marriage-saving. That's family-saving, okay? Jesus said, I'm giving you a commandment. Love each other. Um, look at parenting today. All of our parents. Um, uh, it's focused on giving kids every advantage for material success as if childhood's about, um, about building a great resume for college. Meanwhile, neglecting to help kids become great human beings. Um, there's been a lot of studies on this that have said over the last 40 years, there's been a huge, massive, significant reduction in the ability for kids to show empathy and care for other people. He, over the last 40 years, it's just like tanked. For people, for our children to be concerned about the needs of other people, and a great, healthy, local church helps parents to build a spiritual framework for kids to love God above self, and love neighbor as self, okay? So, and I want you to know, personally, I can't tell you how much I love the local church. I mean, it's helped me through countless moments. The life together is probably one of the most important concepts the church can get, because when we do that together, it saves us in the middle of really difficult times. Uh, I, when, it helped me one time when my father passed away when I was 22, I remember just going to church on Sunday morning, singing worship songs, praying, hearing the message, and I just felt so encouraged because people hugged me, and, and I was like, yay, I feel, I just felt tremendously better in the middle of all that pain just by being at church with other people. Um, and then when I went uh, to my life group after that, what we would call our vineyard community group, I got prayed for, and they cared for me, and they listened to me. It's what we're called to do. It's love each other. We're called to love each other, care about one another. Um, 
I was driving by a church and it said this on the marquee sign out front. We care about you. Sundays, 10 a.m. only. <laughs> now, they, they meant 10 o'clock only, but they, somehow they linked that all together, right? So it sounds like we only care about you at 10 o'clock. The church shouldn't be like that, right? The church should be, we just care about you 24-7. And I want to encourage you guys to, this next season, as we're reemerging from this cocoon, what if we got, what if we dived in a little bit more? So this summer, we're going to be offering what we call Life Together Dinners. And we're going to be, well, if you are interested, we'll set you up with four um, other pe groups of people. And we will be rotating homes. And we'll be eating in each other's homes or in the backyard. Maybe even that's safer. Um, and just be in the community together. Because we need each other. Because God gave us this new command, love each other. Let's do that and let's do that well, guys. Larry Crabb said, saying that community matters is like saying that oxygen matters. It means the world. So let me show you a picture of the great local church. Um, there was this mission trip to Mexico, and these uh, high schoolers were teaching the kids one last song as their bus was getting ready to load, and they had some free time. So they were teaching all the kids, this is the church, this is the steeple, open the doors, see all the people. Remember that? Some people do it like this, okay? Um, well, they got to this point where they were teaching the kids this, and then they realized that one of the boys in the orphanage had his left hand amputated. And they all got nervous. They're like, what do we do? Like, should we just cancel this? And like, all of a sudden, the boy that had his left hand amputated, he just grabbed his neighbor's hand, and they did, this is the church, this is the steeple, open the doors, see all the people all just together. And that's the picture of the church, guys. That's doing life together. That's what it's all about. Let's take the hand of the person next to us and be a great, healthy, local church. Let's love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are a follower of Jesus. Everybody who makes this body work, who pitches in time, and money, it makes a difference. Thank you for being the church. Because we really do have a great body. We do. We have a great body. So now let me talk about loving outward. The other component in this equation for us, um, a mission outpost is what the church must become if we're willing, if, if we're going to bear the gospel in a new time or a new place. Okay, Matthew 28, verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. Because many missionaries find that their way of sharing the gospel doesn't work in a new place that they go. They're forced to do a major rethink. They're forced to look at the gospel again as they translate the gospel into a new cultural framework. They're forced to do a reset. So one of my heroes that's been a missionary for, uh, was a missionary for years and years in New Guinea, his name is Don Richardson. Um, I had the privilege of meeting him and spending some time with him 
and I want to share what his story as he went to a group of people called the Swazi. Um, so he went there, and he was ministering to head-hunting cannibals. He was trying to reach two tribes, native tribes, in New Guinea. Okay, they were head-hunting cannibals. They literally would kill their enemies and cook them and eat them, okay? Um, and they would love, they did this all the time, was their, there was their tradition, they would cut off the head and stick it on a pole. Um, so, you know, like, every once in a while, you watch a movie that's like that, that happened to this. So he's ministering to those natives, okay? And he goes through the Bible, starts in Genesis, he lays out the framework, he starts teaching this week after week, he had to learn the language, write a Bible, make up a language, I mean, it was really difficult, he spent years. The whole build-up, he finally gets to the moment where he shares what happened to Jesus and how Judas betrayed Jesus. And here's where the cultural paradigm comes in because the hero in this culture was not the number, was not the person who had killed the most enemies. Okay? It was the person that was able to betray their closest friend. It was what they called treachery. And so as they laid out this story and as they explained that Judas kissed Jesus and betrayed him, after that lesson, all of these Swazi warriors were like, yeah, we love him. But they weren't speaking of Jesus. They were speaking of Judas. They felt like Judas was the hero. Judas is the hero. And all of a sudden, Don has to think, how do I communicate the gospel in a way that they get it? And so it took, they venerated Judas as the epitome of manhood because of his kiss of betrayal to a close friend. And so it, it doesn't even make sense in our culture, right? Like, uh, we, how would that even work? But it was a completely different cultural framework. And so if you want to know the end of the story, Don was praying, saying, how does this work? What does this look like in this culture? And so they would take... This is the end of the story. I'm going to make it really fast. Um, the two, there was two, the two, tr two main tribes that were warring against each other. In order for there to be, be peace between those two tribes, when we're talking tribes, we're talking thousands and thousands in each tribe. But in order for there to, there to be peace, one tribe would have to take a child that was born, a baby, an infant, from their, their tribe and give it to the other tribe. And as long as that baby was safe, and alive in the other tribe, there would be peace between these tribes. And so Don finally learned, oh, he finally said, after them thinking that Judas is the hero for months and months, finally he said, what you don't understand was Jesus was the peace child. And when they realized that, they're like, oh, you can't betray the peace child because then there's no peace between these warring uh, groups. So we also see this concept in the Bible, guys. Old Testament prophet setting reset, doing a rethink in the face of the Babylonian exile. They're away from the temple, and Israel was a temple-centered religion. Exile forces them to probe more deeply into the meaning of their faith in the middle of that, because they used to go to the temple and worship and sacrifice. They can't do that anymore. So they have to push a reset button. 
Paul, Paul goes on to launch several missional outposts among the Gentiles. Antioch's the first, but many others follow. Now, Paul uses different language than Jesus, and Paul has to do a reset. Look at this text from Acts 17, 22. We talked about this about four or five months ago, so I'm not going to give you the background, but, but I, what I want you to hear here is how Jesus looks so different than Paul's, as Paul's trying to break ground to these unchurched people. He says, Men of Athens, I noticed that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking among you, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is the one I'm telling you about. Such different language than what Jesus used. Now, I want you to know, Vineyard USA is a part of a reset for church that began 35 years ago. Combined, so here's what Vineyard USA did. When there was nobody on the scene like this, we said, you know what? We love the evangelical focus on the Word of God, uh, and so we love that. But we also love this charismatic side where we're able to worship. And so the Vineyard said, let's do heart and head and engage there. Let's do the Word of God and the Spirit of God at the same time, and let's not have to chuck our brains or our hearts when we gather together. Let's do both of those things at the exact same time. We are this combination of two, it's like we're a hybrid. So Vineyard USA that began 35 years ago, we, we just said we have to rethink. Part of our rethink was cap out dispensationalism and fundamentalism, two very powerful evangelical theological systems, and recentering around the kingdom of God. All of a sudden, our focus and our, our core was saying, God, you're breaking in here and now, and we want to engage with your spirit, changing and renewing all things. It was a reset. We had to rethink life after centered gospel to new creation gospel. You know what? Most people that are under 30, they're not thinking about heaven. They want to know, how do we live here and now? And guess what? Our gospel talks about that. The kingdom of God here and now explains that. And so sometimes we've left, what we've done is we've thrown out the baby with the bathwater. We've, we've, we've said, okay, let's just talk about eternity when, when we need to engage with people or where they're at, it is about eternity, but it's also about how do we live now in a world filled with so much unrest and people are so filled with fear. How do we live now? And that is good news, people. We need to rethink the relationship between arts and faith and rethink the relationship between science and faith and rethink life together and love outward. And we got to do both of these things at the exact same time. Reset is a mission-driven process, and it's essential to faith. The faithful rendering of the gospel in the 21st century. Let's make disciples, people. And some of this, if I'm honest with you, some of this uh, is going to, some of you are saying, this is so refreshing, I love this, doing this reset, this is so fun and exciting, and this, yes, this makes sense to me. And others of you are saying, this is difficult, Ooh, I don't know. That makes me have a headache. I'm not sure if I want to love outward like you're talking about because I like the church being a nice family. But you're saying it has to be family and we have to be about mission. And so 
I want you to know, in this process, I can feel completely over my head, if I'm honest with you. Uh, and of course, we're not really equipped for such a thing, but that's the kingdom of God at work. Ready or not, here the kingdom comes. Heaven's invading earth, and we get to partner with God's spirit to renew all things. Every generation is not called to engage in such a significant reset, but some generations are, and we're just happen to be in one of those generations. Um, encountered a reset in college um, and I remember I grew up how many people grew up more like not having a full band um, so I grew up in a church where they had a piano and they had maybe somebody an acoustic guitar um, and we even had an organ that played as a kid um, but we did definitely didn't have drums and we didn't have the, the bass guitar we didn't have electric guitar for sure those are like the devil's instruments and we didn't want to touch them so I'm just that was that's where the mentality was. And then I went away to college. And one day I just happened to show up at this bookstore and I saw this shelf of CDs. And in the middle of that shelf was a CD. It was called Winds of Worship Number 9 from Sweden, live from Sweden. And this is the, my very first exposure to the vineyard movement as a whole. I didn't know that there was a vineyard church that backed up the, backed up the music. And so... I get this vineyard CD, I go up to the cash register, and I buy it. The reason why I bought it was because my mom's all Swedish, and I thought, oh, cool, worship music from Sweden, that sounds fun. Well, I, I went to my dorm, I'm at Central Michigan University, I'm a junior in college, and I, do you guys remember those big boom boxes? They used to call them ghetto blasters. I had the largest boom box, it was huge, but it looked like a rocket ship. It was massive. And, like, when you push the button, it, the top slowly opened to put the CD. You put the CD and shut it. And, it. and then I turned it on, and out of the speakers came this rock and roll worship music. And I literally couldn't believe it. It floored me. Because guess what it did? It was so unique. It spoke my language. It spoke about worshiping God, but it did it through rock and roll worship music that I loved. And all of a sudden, like, I just cranked it up for my whole dorm to hear. I was like, yay! Listen to this. I finally heard worship in a language that I understood. It was a reset for worship. And that's what we're talking about. Now, you guys, as a, as a movement as a whole, I want you to know John Wimber, as the founder of the Vineyard Movement, he was doing a major reset in the whole church. You know what the church looked like? The church was filled with hippies and halter tops. No joke. And guess what? To be really honest with you, maybe, just maybe, over the last 35 years, we've become too refined, and we've become too, a little too, because guess what? We have to do a reset. If we're going to love outward and reach the unchurched and dechurched, we're going to have to rethink. Our whole movement was a movement about reaching these hippies that didn't, couldn't show up in any other church and be welcomed. And sometimes we've become too dignified, okay? So the idea that God saves people by allowing them to hear the gospel message in ways that they understand is the heart of what we're talking about today as far as loving outward. Think about the experience of an unchurched person who walks into the church for the very first time in his or her life and can connect with God. 
One of the greatest compliments I ever hear about the Vineyard Movement and the Vineyard Church is when I came to your church today, Pastor, I felt like I was home. And when I hear that from an unchurched person or a de-churched person, it makes me smile for the next week. Because what they're saying is, I didn't have to jump through 29 cultural hoops to hear God speaking to me. I didn't have to be transported back in time 40 years to connect with God. What you did, the worship that you sang, the message that you spoke, the, what you did as you gathered together, the coffee that you had, it connected my heart to Jesus. This is the ongoing task of the church. This is loving outward, people. Do we love people enough to connect their culture with the gospel? Paul said it like this, to the Jews I became like a Jew. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. To the weak I became weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. So this will all work out, guys, if we can do this next thing, if we can grease the gears with love and understanding. Could you put that next slide on for us? If we can grease the gears with love and understanding, this is all going to happen well. And the tension that we feel between living life together, having a healthy, vibrant community, but us also focusing on the unchurched and dechurched, that will just go away if we can grease the gears with love and understanding in this process. Because we're not just doing this for ourselves. We're doing this for generations to come. We're doing this for people who've been left behind by the church a long time ago. That bothers me. That, w that the church has left so many people behind so long ago. God wants to use us. And it's going to take two things. Life together a great, healthy local church, and loving outward, being a missional outpost in our community. So let me give you a couple practical tips now. Number one, how do you treat each other? I'm talking internal to church right now. How are, are you following Jesus when he commands you to love each other? John 13, 34, and 35. Paul defines what love is in 1 Corinthians 13.4. So wait, when I read this text next, when I read 1 Corinthians 13, if you could say this is how I am to treat Paul's defining what love is. What if we treat each other like this list, okay? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Now, what if for the next two weeks, treat everyone in our faith community, in our church, with these attributes? No matter what. This is how we treat each other, with love. And Paul defines what love is. So we have to be intentional with this because this is not easy stuff. This is difficult to do that, to love each other. That's hard stuff, okay? And we're going to need God's grace and need God's mercy to live in it. And we're going to have to give each other grace, okay? But we're going to try it. We're going to move forward in that. Number two, think about how you can reach your neighbor with the gospel. 
Do you need to rethink how you portray Jesus and how you share with your neighbors? Again, lead with love, lead with listening, be practical in your outreach to them. And number three, jump in and serve this season. Let's be a healthy, stable, nurturing community post-COVID. We need extra hands through this season of change. And if you contact the office or Vicki, you can get, we'll connect you with an area of service. There's room for you because we are a church where everybody gets to play in the game. Everybody gets to do ministry. And we do have two services now, so you can, you could serve in one service and go to the next service. You could even, maybe even help out in kids ministry and go to second service. So think about what God's asking you to do in this next season as we're trying to re-up and restart and rethink church. This process is going to be a great process, but it, as long as we say, God, help us grease the wheels with understanding and love, we're going to get through this season with, 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 with God's Spirit pushing us, propelling us into a brand new mission, and we are going to love each other like never before. So let's sing this, song, this next song together, and if you guys would stand with me, if I could have you process what, 